And while the kids go, and a couple things in preparation I want to do for our time in God's Word. Number one, I need to come over here and grab this. Everybody though, oh boy, what's Pastor Derek up to? This is a little weird. This is a little different than normal. We'll see. We'll see what this is all about. Pictionary, yeah. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't feel like teaching the Bible this morning, so we're going to play Pictionary. <laughs> no. All right. Thanks to our awesome children's ministry volunteers, teachers, and helpers that uh, take good care of our students as they go off to class now. And uh, in preparation for us studying God's Word, uh, I want to take a moment in prayer and uh, in, in light of uh, recent events, too. I want us to pause and, uh, and think and talk with God uh, about the difficulties in our world. Let's pray. Father God, we quiet ourselves before you this morning in many ways, as always, as we come to you, as we put ourselves before you, as we want to hear from you through your word. Uh, but this morning, God, I pray that we would uh, take, a, take a moment, that we would put ourselves before you, that we would quiet our hearts. Um, the things that are, that are busy in our lives, the stresses that we face, uh, but God, lift our eyes to you to see you and how you are at work in the world in the midst of, of difficulty and evil and chaos. Help us to trust you more. God, we are heartbroken with the communities in El Paso and in Dayton. Father, we mourn the lives that are lost. We hurt with the people injured. We grieve with those affected by this tragedy. Father, so certainly we pray for families and friends of those victims. We thank you, God, for your love to and your care to us through uh, those who respond and care and protect us. And God, your word calls us to love our enemies, so we even would ask you to teach us how to pray for the assailants. But more than anything, Lord, teach us to live by faith. Help us this morning and always to entrust ourselves to you. Entrust ourselves to the one who judges justly. God, help us to live our lives glorifying you in all that we do. We thank you that even in these times, that we have hope because of Jesus. So God, we thank you that you are a God who knows and sees and cares and loves. You are a God who pursues us and has, has rescued us through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We thank you for the hope that is in your, your ongoing rescue plan through Jesus, and we, we thank you for the hope of ultimate restoration, of, of you making things right of Jesus returning and, the, and the, full, the full restoration, the fullness of your kingdom come. So God, as we open your word, as we worship together, as we come to you in prayer, God, we thank you for all that you give us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there's more. I titled the sermon this morning, There's More. And even in what I just prayed, that's true, isn't it? There's, there's more to our experience than this earthly struggle. There's more than, than, than what we see around us, the, the, the sin-infected world, the brokenness, the hurt, the evil that we, in, that we encounter. But God has more because he has rescued us through Jesus and because Jesus will come again and set all things right because God's kingdom is unfolding now, but someday will come to full fruition, 
full fullness. We have hope in that, don't we? Because God has more. And even just, you know, in simple things, a moment ago, like teasing you with uh, Jake and Riley's picture covered with the emoji faces, you know, it's not just a picture of Jake, there's more coming. There's more that we want you to get to know and hear. Uh, you know, what, what, what was your experience going to school growing up? Did, do we walk into kindergarten? Do we walk into kindergarten, cross through the door and think, all right, I've arrived with my education. I'm here. I have walked into kindergarten and I'm good. That's not our experience. There's more. You don't, you don't, you don't join the basketball team, go to the first practice, and then think, yeah, I'm Michael Jordan. I'm the greatest basketball player that's ever lived. And it's not just an hour on Sundays. There's more. There's more, I think, that God has in store for the church, for followers of Jesus. And so we're going to see what God has to say to us this morning. Um, this morning is a little different. We're going to be soaking in Scripture as always, but I want us to take a look in a moment um, at a statement of faith. And, and if you don't know, Faith Church is part of the EFCA. The EFCA is the Evangelical Free Church of America. Our local church here, Faith Church, is part of an association of churches nationwide, uh, really worldwide, that, that are like-minded and that believe the same things and, and that want uh, People far from Jesus to find new life and transformation in Jesus, and so we're a part of the, we're proudly part of the EFCA, and uh, and we have a statement of faith. It's on our website that, that we share with the EFCA, and uh, part of the statement of faith is Article Eight. And in a moment, I'm going to have you read with me Article Eight. So so we're starting here with reading a statement of faith that our church. That this is something that explains our theological beliefs. It, it gives it gives explanation to our biblical convictions, and uh, and it's. This statement, as you hear it, as you read it, you will, you will be able to tell that it is soaked in Scripture. And then we're going we're gonna to look through this statement, this article, and we're going to pull out some of its uh, scriptural foundation. So uh, join me in reading aloud together. Uh, it's going to take about three screens here. Join me in reading aloud together Article 9 of, of our statement of faith. Ready? We believe that God's justifying grace must not be separated from his sanctifying power and purpose. God commands us to love him supremely and others sacrificially and to live out our faith with care for one another, compassion toward the poor, and justice for the oppressed. With God's word, the Spirit's power, and fervent prayer in Christ's name, we are to combat the spiritual forces of evil in obedience to Christ's commission, we are to make disciples among all people, always bearing witness to the gospel in word and deed. So you can see that that statement, uh, that article of our statement of faith begins with this. We believe that God's justifying grace must not be separated from his sanctifying power and purpose. There's more. In other words, we, one of the glorious things we celebrate when we gather as a church, is we, we celebrate justification, that our salvation includes sinful you and I being made right, being justified with a holy and perfect God. Justification is glorious good news, that through Jesus, you and I can be made right with God. And yet the statement is saying, there's more. Yes, we celebrate justification. We celebrate that our sins are forgiven and that we're made right through Jesus, but there's more. There's this 
this idea of sanctification, which is a fancy word for becoming more like Jesus as we follow Jesus. Yes, we are saved. We have been forgiven. We are made right with God. And now there's more that God has in store for us as you follow Jesus, is this idea of sanctification, becoming more like Jesus as we follow Jesus. In other words, keep going, right? There's more. I said about kindergarten earlier, we don't step into the kindergarten classroom and think our education's complete. And like that, and, and similarly, we don't step into Christianity, we don't step into following Jesus, we don't become a follower of Jesus and then go, I'm good, I've arrived, this is it. No, there's more. Hopefully, sitting in the same seat, physically, literally, most Sundays at church, myself included, Hopefully, literally sitting in the same seat many weeks isn't a, isn't a picture, isn't a symbol of our spiritual journey. Keep going. Keep moving. Keep following Jesus. See what he has in store. So Article 9 continues. God commands us to love him supremely. Is, friends, is the Bible clear that there is one who is worthy of our praise? There is, there is one one God, one true God who is above all and in all and worthy of our, of our worship. God commands us, what we read says, God commands us to love him supremely. Supremely. But, but I want us to check ourselves this morning a little bit, myself included. Do our lives reflect loving God supremely? Above all and over all, and is he, is he part of every bit of our life? Are we submitting ourselves in new ways and striving to know him more and obey him more and become more like Jesus as we follow Jesus? Or is there more? Might he have more for us? There's an author and a pastor named Jared Wilson who wrote this in a Gospel Coalition article recently. He wrote, Look, look. What America needs, brothers and sisters, is not merely believers in God, but worshipers of God. Not people simply willing to mentally assent to the reality of a supreme being, willing perhaps to accommodate acknowledgement of him into their weekly schedule, willing to nod at him on social media as a missing value in society. What America really needs is people willing to offer their whole hearts to the reality of the glory of the one true God, Yahweh. Willing to surrender their days, their very lives to him. Willing to reorient their very existence around the one in whom we live and move and have our being. Friends, there's more. There's more than just showing up on Sunday. There's more than just getting into the Christian club. God wants all of you. God wants us to love him supremely. That same sentence in the article, in the Statement of Faith, con concludes or continues this way. God commands us to love him supremely and others sacrificially. Where does that, does that sound familiar? Love God and love others? Yep, should sound pretty familiar, hopefully. Where do we see this in Scripture? We see it in Mark chapter 12. This will come up on the screen in a moment. What's happening here is that one of the teachers of the law have come up to Jesus and asked Jesus, hey, which commandment is most important? There's a lot of commandments in Scripture. Which commandment is the most important? And here's Jesus' answer. The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
And you, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Does that sound like love God supremely? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. That, that, that piece of scripture is, is commonly referred to as the great commandment. Love God, summarized with our love God and love others. And we're going to see how, we see how the, the statement of faith is soaked in these scriptures. And then we're going to ask ourselves in a few minutes, what does this have to do with us? What does this have to do, church family, with faith church? What does this have to do with me following Jesus in Dallas, Oregon in 2019? We're going to ask God to show us that this morning. The uh, statement of faith continues. God commands us to love him and, uh, supremely and others sacrificially to live out our faith with care for one another, compassion toward the poor, and justice for the oppressed. With God's word, the Spirit's power, and fervent prayer in Christ's name, we are to combat the spiritual forces of evil. And then here's the next phrase. In obedience to Christ's commission, we are to make disciples among all people. So right there in the statement of faith, it says, in Christ's commission... Where do we find Christ's commission? Matthew 28 will be on the screen in a moment. It begins like this. Jesus came to his disciples. and It's recorded in scripture. He's saying it to his followers then, and I believe very much so to his followers today. Jesus comes to them and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, Matthew 28, 19, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So great commandment and great commission. If you've been following Jesus long, if, you, if, you're, a, if you're a student of the word, then hopefully these are very familiar passages. And if they're not, then that's where we're at today. We're getting into these. The great commandment and the great commission. How foundational these are to, to shaping what we uh, are to do, how we are to live as followers of Jesus, and how we collectively as a local church want to live out um, our faith in Jesus. We want to be proclaimers to the world around us of what he has done for us. So the mission of Faith Church has been phrased in different ways over the years, but it really has always come down to the same things. The mission of our church, the mission of this local church, is to help people grow in Jesus. Would you agree? We, we, we might say our mission is to help people become fully devoted followers of Jesus, that there's more, that we want them to become a follower of Jesus, but that we also want them to continue following Jesus and become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And what does it look like to be fully devoted followers of Jesus? Well, I think we've just been in scriptures that inform that. We want to be followers of Jesus who love God supremely, who love others sacrificially, and who make disciples. We want to be disciples, which means followers. We want to be disciples of Jesus who help make other people. We want to help other people find life and transformation in Jesus. We want to, we want to live out the great commandment and the great commission. And so we're going to look back a little bit for the next couple minutes at the great commission again. I want to take a little closer look at the great commission. Go, therefore, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. All right, there's a lot going on in there. There's a lot of, of, of if, you, if you were to kind of think through that, if you were to read through that again, and, and you were to kind of think of action words and things that should be happening as, as we make disciples, there's a few different ways to look at it. But I want to make something clear, and I'm not a grammar person, I always say this. I'm not, a, I'm not a real strong grammar person. But from my study of this passage, there's, there's, a vari- there's various uh, use of verbs, but there's one primary imperative. There's one primary command. And it's underlined for you up there. It's what? Make disciples. There's a lot going on in the Great Commission, but the main imperative, if you study the original language that this verse was written in, the imperative, the command, is to make disciples. And so what's a disciple? Well, I mentioned it earlier. It's a follower. Someone who follows a master. In our case, followers of Jesus. And and a, a pastor and author defines discipleship this way. Discipleship defined, it could be defined as increasingly submitting all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. Read that again. Discipleship could be defined as increasingly submitting all of life, our time, our work, our relationships, our finances, our sexuality, our leisure, etc., etc. Increasingly submitting all of life to the empowering presence and lordship of Jesus Christ. You know, this is what I love about our August series, about our 9 a.m. teaching series. And Dr. Lance is with us this morning and, and was teaching us about uh, in the area of medicine, in the area of, of healthcare providers, as we interact with a world who has moral and ethical questions in these areas, we want to be disciples who increasingly submit all of life, our, our decisions related to healthcare and end of life and abortion and pornography and et cetera, that we were studying together this morning, we want to be disciples who are increasingly submitting all of life to the presence of Jesus, to his work in our lives. So, that's a, so by the way, if you missed it at 9 a.m. this morning, we're going to do that the next four Sundays, 9 a.m., studying some great topics with great speakers, asking God to help us follow Jesus in, in, in all these areas of life, to consider what he has to say about these important issues in our culture. So I'd love to have you join us at 9 a.m. here in the coming weeks. So, okay, so again, what's the primary imperative? What's the main command there? Say it. Make disciples. So, so I think that, you know, I don't know about you, but I think that we come to church sometimes aware of, of one aspect. Well, I need to grow as a disciple. Yes, that's part of our mission as a church family is to help you grow in following Jesus. We want to help you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. But I would say there's more. Because, because becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus includes God using you in the lives of others to help them meet and follow Jesus as well. So when, when we receive the command to make disciples, yes, we need to grow in Jesus, but we also want to ask him for how do we, as a church family, make disciples in Dallas and in Oregon and in the United States and to the ends of the earth? So as we keep looking then at the Great uh, Commission, there was that main imperative, make disciples. But then, again, I'm not a grammar person, but I'm under, I understand that there's some other participles. 
these other verbs that support the imperative. And we see them, um, I, I believe we have a slide where they'll be underlined. Uh, do we have another one, guys? There we go. The underlined ones, uh, you know what, I goofed that one up. Go is supposed to be underlined as well. So those are the three participles. The verbs that support the command to make disciples. In other words, these are aspects of making disciples. These are the ways we go about making disciples by going, baptizing, and teaching. So um, everybody's been wondering what this is all about. I'm going to start playing around with it a little bit. Whoops, see, I already messed up. At the heart, at the heart of the mission of our church, at the heart of, of what Jesus left his disciples, to, his disciples to do before he ascended into heaven, so at the heart of our mission is to make disciples. And we're asking God to remind us this morning how that looks in our church family. And it looks like uh, the participles are going, baptizing, Whoa, man, this is scary. I'm going to misspell something. You can see my beautiful handwriting. Okay. Going, baptizing, and teaching. These are aspects of the process of making disciples. So when, when you become part of the church family, whether you've been here a long time or whether you're new to Faith Church, what are some ways that, that Faith Church wants to help you grow into being a fully devoted follower of Jesus? And, and there's many answers to this. Hopefully by participating in this church body, in this church family, hopefully by coming to things that we have or to being together or to taking advantage of a tool that we offer, hopefully there's many answers to the question of, okay, how do you grow in Jesus? How can you become a fully devoted follower of Jesus? But I'm going to just, I'm just going to, I'm just going to sum, I'm going to not sum up, I'm going to offer three kind of main ways that you hear a lot about. These are not the only ways that you can become a follower of Jesus as part of our church family, but ones that you're going to hear a lot about, always have and always will, is things like this. Sunday worship. Being here, committed, regular, hearing from God, praying together, exalting Jesus in our prayers and in our, in our, in our singing, hearing God's word taught, that's an important aspect of being part of the Faith Church family is coming on Sunday. We would love you to serve. We believe that part of the ways that God will transform you into a fully devoted follower of Jesus is through serving. As you give of your time and energy and God uses your unique spiritual gift, as you give your time and energy and spiritual gifts to the, to the family, you will be blessed, you will be learning, you will be growing, and the, and the church family will be strengthened and encouraged. So we, we would love you to be serving. And then be part of a life group. In other words, be part of, of, of a smaller group of people within our church family. When you come on a Sunday morning, this is a large group of people. And in, a, in another month from now, we'll be back to meeting in two worship gatherings on Sunday morning. So, there's, so, so it's difficult to know everybody in a significant way. But you can make the church smaller, so to speak. Find a group of people where you can know others and be known by them. And uh, so for, for, this, for this slide and for our purposes moving forward, you'll notice I'm using the term life group. And now I'm going to make fun of myself. <laughs> okay? Uh, leaders are weird about what we call stuff. I'll just admit that. And it starts with me. And, 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 and we're trying to be simple 
We're, we're just trying to make it something that's memorable. We're trying to not have it sound Christianese and confusing to outsiders, okay? So, so there's nothing bad with what we've called groups before. I'm the one that has spent almost two years referring to gospel communities. Yes? Have you heard me say that? Life groups. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> hey, what's that applause? I'm not sure. Should I be offended? No, but we, adult Bible fellowship, community life group, small group, my people, whatever you've called them, okay? Uh, commu gospel community. We're, we're just trying to, okay, we're going to pick one and move forward and try not to do, change it up again, okay? So I'm making fun of myself. I'm thanking you for your flexibility. I'm saying let's simplify. When, I, when I'm talking about you finding a group of people within the church that you can really know them and they can know you and you can share life together and you can point one another toward Jesus, um, that's what I mean. That's what we mean moving forward and referring to um, life groups. <laughs> Should I have us like repeat it out loud or something? Life group. Okay. Now watch, in the next five minutes while I wrap this up, I'm going to say gospel community three times on accident. So, okay. Faith Church, we say this often. I want to, I want to just, I want to, as we jump back in, I want to go here. What is church? Is church a building? Is church an event? No, church is the people of God joining God on his mission to the world. We've said this before around here. Faith Church is a family of Jesus followers on mission together. The church is not a building. It's not a time slot on Sunday only. It's not an event that you attend. The church is God's people. Faith Church is a family of Jesus followers on mission together. And, um, and, and with God's help, being part of a life group it is one way is one part of being part of our church family that we believe will help you grow in Jesus, become a fully devoted follower of Jesus. And we, we think that these life groups can help us in three areas. Uh, life on life, life in community, and life on mission. We're going to go over those in just a moment. But here's how I'll co I connect them. Here was our main command imperative from the Great Commission. What was the, what was the main command? We as followers of Jesus, as a local church family, are to make disciples. And we do that by going, baptizing, and teaching. I'm going to suggest this connection, that going is, has kind of a mission aspect, that baptizing has a community aspect or, or goal, and that teaching, well, for lack of a better term for now, we're going to say has a, has a life connection, has a connection to our growing spiritual life. So we would love for, for uh, what, what our life groups are already doing and what we're going to ask God to help us as we coach and, and move forward is to have our life groups accomplish these purposes, life on life, life in, in community, and life on mission. And, and these are things that are true. I'm going to explain what these are here in just a moment. These are things that are already true about us when we gather in groups. These are things that we're already doing in many ways. So it's not about, it's not about changing. It's not about things being wrong and needing to do something totally different. It's, it's how do we make disciples? How do we grow in Christ? And how do we help others grow in Christ? And how do our life groups help in this process and in these three areas, some of which, much of which we're already doing in different ways, 
and some of which we're going to try to be more intentional about as we learn together what this looks like. Okay? So the first one is that we're going to emphasize is life in community. Life in community. One aspect that we can help be helped by, by being part of a life group, is life in community. Now, uh, you thought you'd seen it all when it came to, to Derek preaching, and now I'm going to draw, and it's, and it's not going to be pretty, okay? Okay, so life in community. You wait till you see the intricacy of this drawing. Should I do a happy little tree over here? Happy. Happy little tree, anyone? Anyone? Okay. Okay, no, that's not, that has nothing to do with it. Okay. Okay, look at this incredible artistic skill. This represents a life group. The followers of Jesus who have connected themselves within our church family to a life group that meet together and enjoy one another's company. This represents the, you can tell they're followers of Jesus, right? What do I do? Put like a little cross on their necklace or something? These are, when we talk about the goal of life groups being community, this this is the picture of that. A group of followers of Jesus that enjoy one another's company. Now the reason I put this under baptizing, when you think of baptizing, I know when we dunk someone under the water, it's symbolic of their death, of Jesus' death and resurrection, of them dying to their old self and being raised to a new life. But baptism also has long been widely viewed as entrance into the Christian community, into a local church. It's, it's, when, we're, it's when we make disciples, when we go and we, and we share the good news with them and they follow Jesus, now we baptize them to enfold them into the Christian community. And so it's just, it's just showing that we want to make disciples, we want to obey this part of the command, so we want followers of Jesus to experience community to in, in, in experience um, having, having people to live life with, having people that know them and they know, uh, that know and, and be known. Where do we see this in Scripture? Lots of places. The book of Acts is full of, of the pictures of, for us of the early church, of, of followers of Jesus sharing life together, sharing meals together, sharing finances, uh, seeking unity together, praying for one another. And so this is a great way, joining a life group is a great way to make the church smaller. If you only know, uh, if you only experience Faith Church on a Sunday morning, this is a lot of people, not the setting to really know and be known, but we can make the church a little smaller, so to speak, by joining a life group. Romans 12 encourages us to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Where does that happen? It's in this kind of setting when we experience the ups and downs of life together and we rejoice with those who rejoice and we mourn with those who mourn. When, 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 the, when the ups and downs of life comes, who are we sharing our news with? Who is praying for us? Who is celebrating our birthday with us? Who is celebrating our promotion at work? It's oftentimes the people within our church family that we've developed a relationship with. And I would encourage you to be part of a life group so that you can have this kind of community, this kind of family support and encouragement. This is, um, 
This is the people when, when life is great are celebrating with you, when life is hard are mourning with you, when life takes a turn and puts you in the hospital. This is hopefully the group that's going to come and see you. This is the, the group that's going to provide meals for you. Uh, and, and this is the way a church family operates. And being a part of a life group is going to put you in a spot to enjoy life in community. So far so good? Okay. Life on life is another aspect uh, that we want to see happen from the Great Commission, this command to make disciples, um, this part of the Great Commission that says, teaching them to believe everything that I have commanded you to. So certainly part of our growing in Jesus is to learn more and more, to learn the Bible, to study together, to know what Jesus' life, what he did and what he taught and, and what he, how he wants us to live. And so there's a life-on-life piece that's necessary within a growth group. We want to have a life-on-life piece where I'm in relationship with one or two others who, who, who I can tell the truth about my life. I can tell the truth about my life, and, and they are, are conduits of God's grace to me by listening, by praying, by telling me to knock it off, by encouraging me and helping me, uh, etc. We want to have a life-on-life piece uh, within our life groups. And this is, this is uh, not the only place that spiritual growth is nurtured, but certainly one of the main places where we want, it, want you to be nurtured in your spiritual life. If you're a part of a growth group, or part of, <laughs> part of a life group, I caught myself, did you hear that? That was awesome. Part of a life group, and within, uh, within a life group, we would recommend that we're hoping to see this kind of thing happen in the future. That within the life group, perhaps about three men begin meeting together. Perhaps three of the ladies begin meeting together, and et cetera, et cetera. So now, within your life group that you've already got community and you've already developed relationships, we're encouraging you to have a place where I can be with one or two others, and where we can put into place lots of scriptures, right? Into play lots of scriptures. We read in the New Testament all the one another's. Love one another, pray for one another, comfort one another, speak truth to one another, pray for one another, confess your sins to one another. Where can that happen? That can happen in this kind of setting. It doesn't happen, have to happen with 15 or 20 other people. It could. But it's really a little easier, hopefully. Pray for, comfort, confess sins to one another. In this setting of, uh, of what we may call a DNA group or a group, a group of three people, same gender. This is where iron sharpens iron. This is where Hebrews 10.24 says that we spur one another along toward love and good deeds. I have got to tell you that in me following Jesus, this has been the place, this is, I, don't, I can't think of any way that God has used in my spiritual growth more than a situation like this. I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time and I'm a sinful human being, and he's had to point out ways that I'm a mess, and he's had to help me to confess my sin and want to face it and want by his power to overcome these areas of sin. There has been no uh, one way or tool that God has worked in my life more than me being part of a small group of men where I could tell the truth about my life and where we could fight together for following Jesus for lives that honor him and glorify him. Um, so we would love to encourage you as, as, as we 
learn together what it's like to participate in a life group. We want the blessings of community, having Christian brothers and sisters to live life and experience life with, but we also want to be able to do some of the, the good and sometimes hard work of following Jesus more and more. And so this is something that we want to pray and want to ask you to consider uh, working toward together. And then the last one is, the last component is life on mission. Life on mission. Part of making disciples is going. Going. Living life on mission. Asking God to help us be conduits of his love to a hurting world. Asking God uh, to help us be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus. Because you and I, hopefully you're here because you have found new life in Jesus. Hopefully you are here and part of this church family because you have seen God working in your life, transforming you, making you new from the inside out. This is what's happening in my life for many, many years. And, and God is still working on me and still pointing out areas of sin and areas where he wants to change me and areas where I need to obey more. But hopefully we are here because we love Jesus and want to follow him. And so if we are experiencing God's love, if we have experienced the life-changing gospel of Jesus, his life, death, and resurrection, making it possible for us to cross from darkness to light, from death to life, wouldn't we want that for others? Shouldn't part of our disciple-making mission be that God would use us, imperfect as we are, and not arrived as we are, to be conduits of his love and proclaimers of the good news to a lost and hurting and, and headed for hell world around us. Life on mission. So how do our life groups contribute to that? How do we learn to live on mission together? And this I hope you'll find really encouraging. If there's one thing about the last half hour of me explaining this stuff, if there's one thing that has just captured my heart, got my attention, and, and, and just thrills me, it's this part. I'm not sure what your experience following Jesus has been, but sometimes my experience following Jesus has been like this. Hey, go make disciples. Go share God's love. Go tell someone about Jesus. Yeah, I know I should. I know I should. I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian a long time. I know I'm supposed to. So I'm going to go on mission. I'm going to go out here and, oh, that's scary. I'm coming back. Anybody relate to that? Okay, now, some of you are gifted evangelists. It's not scary at all. You're amazing. You say one word to somebody, and they fall down and ask you if they can pray to receive Jesus. It's awesome. <laughs> and Lord bless you. Go do it more. Not me. So here's, here's in, in, uh, in John chapter 13, Jesus describes how you will know his followers. And he has a few different ways, but I only have time for one. I, have, I don't even have time for that. <laughs> but I'm going to do it anyway. In John 13... One of the ways that Jesus describes how you will know you are his followers is by your love for one another. He says, they, the world, will know you are my followers by your love for one another. Okay, so picture that. Think of Christians near you. Okay, whatever. Okay. Me and Chris, my buddy Chris over here, brother in Christ, Hannah. Okay. The world out there, Dallas, Oregon, will know that you are his followers by our love for one another. I want to know how our non-Christian friends and family are ever going to know that unless we are around them 
together. Do you see what I'm saying? Because I always had this picture. I got to go out there on my own. I'm going to share Jesus. I had a conversation. They didn't really like it. Or Chris and I and some of the other parents on his baseball team that my son played on that are Christians could hang out and have a hamburger with some of the parents on the team who are not a Christian. Are you with me now? Life groups are asking God how we can live life on life and grow spiritually, how we can live life in community and enjoy the company of fellow followers, brothers and sisters in Jesus, and how we together, together can go on mission to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus. And so I don't know. I don't know exactly how this looks, but we want to ask God to help us do it. We want to get into a life group. We want to be growing spiritually And then we want to ask God to give this group together a vision of what it looks like to take God's love to the world. So, you know, our existing life groups that we've called different things have have lots of great strength. And God's using them. And and, and you're encouraged by them. And you have friendships within them. And, And all of that is awesome. And all we're asking is, all we're going to be asking is, how do we keep going? How do we add aspects of this? How do we do these things more, uh, even more effectively within our, within our life groups? All right. Let's close by uh, reading aloud together Article 9 again. Okay. We believe that God's justifying grace must not be separated from his sanctifying power and purpose. God commands us to love him supremely and others sacrificially, and to live out our faith with care for one another, compassion toward the poor, and justice for the oppressed. With God's word, the Spirit's power, and fervent prayer in Christ's name, we are to combat the spiritual forces of evil. In obedience to Christ's commission, we are to make disciples among all people, always bearing witness to the gospel in word and deed. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Let's pray. Father God, we want that to be our prayer this morning. We want our, all of our lives to be for your glory. We want whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we want to we be all about Jesus, not about ourselves. God, we pray that you would change us from the inside out so that our lives, word and deed, would, would make a difference in the world, th- th- uh, you working through us to make disciples. God, we thank you for Jesus. We rejoice in, in the glorious good news of his life, death, and resurrection that brings us life. God, would you help us live by faith? Would you help us to trust you more and more? As we talked about discipleship, God, would, you, would we be disciples that are increasingly submitting every area of our life to your lordship? to your presence and power working in us. God, we want to be disciples that that know there's more, that that don't sit in the same seat. We want to be disciples who keep going by your grace, by your work in us, not by our own efforts or our uh, our own matching up to you, but God, because you are working in us, because of your grace abounding to us, God, we want to be pressing forward, living for you, learning to obey. So God, thank you for this church family. Thank you for the family 
of followers of Jesus who are together on mission. Would you teach us what it means to grow in you, to live with other Christians, and to live out the good news of the gospel to those in our spheres of influence. God, we want everything we do to be all for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.